I, I understand. It, 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 it's difficult sometimes to love the structure that we call the, the trellis of First Presbyterian Church. But we can love it when we understand how it supports the vine. The vine. Oh, we love relationships. We love friendships. We love the organic nature of church. We love community. Everybody needs community. Everybody, you can't live without community. You can't live without affirmation, without connection. We love the vine. Can you really love a trellis? Let's take a look at John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Hear God's word this morning. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus speaking. He says, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch that withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. May God bless us today through this, his holy word. Amen. So can we really love a trellis? <laughs> now think of it this way, though. Somebody said, you love you love." The groom, you love Jesus. Do you love his bride? Do you love his bride? We can. We can love a trellis. We can love the trellis. We can understand and we can see great purpose in the trellis when we we understand that the order of the trellis, the order of it, the order of it reflects the order of our God. It reflects the gardener, who the gardener is, the character of the gardener. It reflects the gardener. It reflects what he really values, and that is the vine. The trellis actually does and can and does reflect the vine. And it reflects his goal. So let's take a look at that. How the trellis, we can love it. We can love it. We can really appreciate it. We can appreciate it when we understand that it identifies the gardener. It identifies and reflects the vine, his value, his great value. That's us. And it reflects his goal. First, 
order reflects the gardener. There's a gardener in this passage. Did you notice? I mean, Jesus is saying we often think of the vine and, and we think of the fruit and we think of the branches and all that, but there's a gardener in this story. Jesus is speaking in pictures. He's speaking in words and pictures. And he's painting a picture of a vine dresser, of a gardener, who's bringing order to the vine because he loves it. His order is because of his love. Makes me think of a, a, a man named Lloyd Byers. Now, I've told this story to elders and deacons. I'm going to tell some stories today, just a few stories that I've told over and over again to paint my own pictures of what Jesus is trying to do through the organized church. Lloyd Byers worked at a church where I used to work, and and Lloyd was in his 80s. He was an old military guy, a very orderly kind of guy, a man of order, a man who loved order, but a man who loved the church. And uh, soon after I got to this, this church, I noticed how much Lloyd was doing. He, he was a volunteer. He was a volunteer extraordinaire. In fact, there was, a, there was a special desk that was sort of, out of the way, it was known, understood as Lloyd's desk. And just unofficially, it was Lloyd's desk. And I noticed that Lloyd was doing so much, and I was worried. I was concerned. Lloyd was getting up there in years, and I thought, well, what if Lloyd just, you know, what if there's no Lloyd anymore? What's going to happen with all the things? And, and I, I mentioned that to him one time as candidly as, and as gently as I could. And he said, I've been thinking about that. I said, well, Lloyd, let's work together on what you're doing. And so I said, would you just write down what you do every Sunday? And he said, I'll try. And I'll never forget when I got his, this piece of paper. It was actually about three or four sheets, yellow sheets of legal sheets of paper. And I looked at that first page and I looked at the first line. And uh, he said, arrive at sun- on Sunday early, walk through the buildings, and see what needs to be done. <laughs> Thanks, that's a big help. I really appreciate that, Lloyd. <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll pass it on. Actually, think about that. Here's a man who's an owner. I mean, he's not, he's not just a server. He's not somebody who's just taken in, taken in and going home. This is somebody who has a strong sense of ownership. He looks around. He knows the way, or, the way things are supposed to be. He knows that there should be a certain order that, 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 that removes the distraction so that everyone else may worship. He, he understood that. You see, that kind of order is principled and it reflects... The identity of the gardener is a trellis. It's like, you know, you notice, right, when the dishwasher is not emptied, right? You notice that. It's harder to notice when it was emptied, right? This is not a message to my wife. This is not a secret. I I know I'm emptying the dishwasher regularly. But it is amazing how when things don't get done, it's hard to know whether or not the husband actually did that, right? I'm just teasing. Just trying to make sure y'all are awake this morning. It, it makes me think of uh, what, um, what Brian Jackson put together this past summer called the Global Leadership Summit. We had in this room, we had people from all over the community. And, and what it was a picture of for me was 
how the order of the church reflects the identity of the gardener. Why? Because people from all over the the community, whether they were in public life, whether they were in private business, whatever, nonprofit, for-profit companies came to us, sat around the tables, and watched as the church provided some principles for good leadership. And here there were people who may not even go to church, who are coming to a church and learning the principles of good leadership. That's a trellis. I remember when I, uh, I read the book Good to Great, and I started going through this. The, the book Good to Great is one of the greatest business books of the last 20, 30 years, written by a, a group at Stanford. Jim Collins is the primary author of it. And I was reading through this thing, and I said, this is all out of Scripture. This is all out of the Bible. Do they know this? Do they know? Guess what? They probably didn't. What a travesty. Did you know the U.S. government was based on the Presbyterian church's system? Did you know that once upon a time, people really, they looked at the church for leadership. They looked at the church because the church understood there are timeless principles that help us function well, and that reflects upon the gardener. When we order our life well, when we allow God to prune us, when we allow God to structure us, when we, when we use our minds and we, and we draw in uh, people under a roof of accountability and order, it reflects the identity of an orderly God. You see, people will, by common grace, discover these principles anyway. Common grace is just the idea that why isn't, why isn't the world more of a mess? Because <laughs> God loves the world. And by common grace, even not by special grace through the church providing a summit or a a conference to learn principles, God is at work to sustain his creation. He loves it. Broken as it is. And so our order as a church, our trellis, if you will, reflects the identity of the gardener. Second, we can love. We can love the trellis. We can learn to really appreciate it, value it. When we see that the order of the trellis reflects upon God's greatest value, and that is the vine. He loves his vine. He loves the church invisible. The visible church supports the church invisible. In the Apostles' Creed, we say the Catholic church. And people say, are we Catholic? No. It's not. Catholic just means universal. It means that, that in and through every denomination around the world, every, every creed and tongue, there is the real, living, eternal church. Wheat and weeds sown together, there is... This universal church that God is growing. A kingdom that will one day have a city on a hill. Right? And when we order our life, when we are great stewards, we can begin to see how, how that trellis, how that structure, how that order helps nurture the life of the vine. Right, I remember uh, Gene Smith, who was on our staff and 
church where I used to serve, she, she was a volunteer uh, for many, many years. And then she joined the staff and she said, one day she said to me, just shortly after she joined, she came into my office, she sat down, she was upset about something that was going on. She was overwhelmed. She said, I had no idea all this was going on behind the scenes. I had no idea. I've been here every day sometimes, every day of a week as a volunteer for hours. And I had no idea that I I just wasn't even noticing how all of this happens. And she began to love, love the trellis. It says that God prunes the trellis. Sometimes he prunes the trellis. He's, He's bringing, actively bringing order to the trellis. You see, it's different. It's different for us when we begin to love the trellis. I remember when I was at a church in Texas, my first, the first church where Beth and I served. And I remember uh, I, I, I decided to launch a new youth program in the middle of the week. There was no midweek youth program. And I came up with a really creative name. I called it something else. And uh, that was the name of it, something else. And so <laughs> it was just sort of a generic thing. Hey, let, we're going to do something else on Wednesday night. We're doing, a, we're doing something on, uh, on Sunday night. We're going to do something else on Wednesday night. And I said, I only want you to come if you want to come. See, there were kids that were there on Sunday morning, and they were there because they were dragged. You get there on time so we can love the path of Jesus, right? And, and, and there were kids that wanted to be there. And when we put those kids that wanted to be there together, that's when youth ministry started at Winwood Presbyterian Church. It took off. It took off. Because the kids that loved the picture that we were painting for them of life together, they began to flourish. You know, we have ushers. I want to paint another, continue to paint the picture of, of God who loves the value, the value of the vine. See, we have so many tasks around here. There, there are a hundred tasks a minute around here sometimes. And you see the task, but do you see the vine under the task, the, the, the vine that the task supports? Let's think of the ushers for a minute. I've been talking to our, our deacons and our elders about how important ushering is. You think, well, gosh, passing out bulletins, really? Is that really that important? Huh? I mean, some people really, I mean, I, I knew of a guy, my, my, uh, my uncle, uh, it, it, he, he loved being an usher, and he knew exactly who he was going to stand every week, right? I mean, this was his thing. It was his duty. He was, you know, I mean, he was, this was, you know, he was an usher. But, but the, one of the reasons he loved ushering was because it put him in a position to see the people. So what if you were recruited to be an usher? I'm not recruiting you right now, but I want you to think about this. I'll bet you I can make you more interested in it in just a second. Are right, you ready? All right, what if, uh, uh, by contrast, first of all, this is not the way to recruit an usher. All right, um, you get a call, and someone says to you, hey, we need some, uh, a couple extra ushers this weekend. Could you come and, uh, and hand out bulletins and stand at the door with me? Um, and uh, uh, also uh, help people find you know, their seat if needed. Uh, you a little bit of crowd control. You mind doing it? Oh, okay, I'll do it this time. Uh, you know what? Uh, actually, uh, I've got something going on, <laughs> right? Now, what if you got this call? They called you up and they said, I'd like to be a part of a team this weekend. Join me in a group. It's a, it's a unique and special purpose. Oh, really? That sounds intriguing. What is it? 
Well, what we do is we create an environment for seekers and believers that, that's free of distraction so that people who come together this weekend can experience the presence of God through the course of the service. We call it our usher ministry, <laughs> right? I mean, don't you want to be a part of that team? I mean, sign me up for that team. That's why, you know, the, the psalmist said, I'd rather be a door holder in the tents of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Because when you see that the task supports people. See, we, we are not trying to use people to build programs here at First Presbyterian Church. We're trying to use programs to build people. I, that doesn't get me up every day early to pray and to think and to plan and to strive at this place. Building programs doesn't light my fire. I'm sure it doesn't light yours either. But to see how programs develop people, I love it. I love it. A friend of mine named Jim up at Signal Mountain because I, I heard from Jim last week. He just called me. He said, I just want to talk to you about what's going on with my D group at Signal Mountain. I'm like, do I have time for this? No, I don't have time to talk to you about your D group. But yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear from you. I'm just teasing. I, I was glad to hear from Jim. Y'all aren't laughing at me this morning. I mean, these jokes are really bad. But, you know, so yeah, one day I'm going to call up Tim and he's not going to have time for me. No, that's not true. So Jim is telling me, Jim is telling me, Jim, I, I'm bringing up Jim because, uh, because Jim, his life and his business were changed because he became a deacon at the church where I used to serve. One day he said, this is how you do it at your church? I want to try that in my business. That's fantastic. And he began to give his life away. His life was changed because... Yeah, because of the church. You say, the church, and isn't Jesus supposed to be the one who changes the people? That's right. But one of the reasons why we have communion is because the church is the body of Christ. An outward expression of what God is inwardly, universally doing. And so when you begin to see that what you can see actually does reflect upon the value that God has, and that is our life together, you can begin to appreciate and put yourself a little bit more into that life. And one of the things that we have to do regularly is we have to prune. We have to prune. Because we have to understand, you can see this image behind me. There's order to it. There's a vine. There's a trellis. I'm grateful to the Stanleys. The Stanleys, new members, they've only been part of the church. For, they, they get this. They understand that tasks actually do support people. And you can see that, that there's an order here, that there's a pruning here. There's, there's not just, it just doesn't just grow wild. You know, you know, what I'm talking about here, for example, is Thomasville is, 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 has a world of need. You can, you can turn anywhere that you don't normally go and you'll run into a need. You know what I'm saying? You, you drive off the main thoroughfare and you'll see a community in need. There's a world of needs out there. We cannot meet every one of them. But we're called to meet some of them. And so we have to prayerfully, as stewards, prayerfully, as teams, prayerfully, as leaders, as servants... Consider, what is God doing in our vineyard? Not just to let things grow wherever they will, 
But to be the best stewards means that we come together and prayerfully consider what are the needs that we're called to meet. Not that we would be a mile wide and an inch deep, but that the tasks that we take on together, we will be counting the cost so that we may fulfill the promises that we make and the commitments that we make. That's part of what it means to be a steward, is to count costs and to fulfill commitments. You see, when we order our life like that, we reflect the value, God's chief value in the world, which is his vine. And finally this, when we, when we see the order, when we appreciate the order, we appreciate the vine. Because we see how the trellis supports God's mission. Not just his identity, not just the chief value, but his goal. And that is that we would bear much fruit. That we would be fruitful. That, that, that because we're a church, because we come together regularly, and because we've ordered our life around the gospel, we would bear fruit. Bear much fruit. And nourish the people around us as a result. Think of that image of, of the usher now. Go back to that. And consider that's a task. And, and maybe up until this morning, you've always thought of that as just some task that people do. And yet, and yet, one of the reasons why my uncle or Lloyd Byers or the people who usher in this place fulfill those tasks is it puts them in the place of people. They, they can come together as a team. We, we recently reorganized our teams, and so we have worship support teams. We have a team that meets here at 8.30. They get here early, and they come together, and they circle up, and they pray together for us before we get here, before we come and sit in these seats. They pray for us. And they consider who's going to be coming through those doors, and they think, what's going on with that person? I've seen, I've seen her here. She's new. There's one person, I'm telling stories on other people, I don't want to embarrass people, but there is one person in our midst, I'm not going to name him, but I asked his permission because you probably figure out who I'm talking about. And he, he sends me emails after the worship service. He sends me emails. He says, I saw somebody who hadn't been here in 10 years. I saw somebody who came back and it's a new person and I happen to know that they have a business down the street. I saw somebody... Uh, today and he will list all of these people that were here in these seats and he'll tell me he'll tell our team he'll tell our communications team he'll tell uh, you know our, our our membership and development teams there's somebody here that wasn't here before did you notice did you see them you see the task the task begins to bear fruit when we understand that through the order that we're called to, they're people. They're people. And we, we are in partnership with the vine dresser that we in our life together would see the value of people around us, that they would bear fruit, that their joy would be full. And so what happens then is the life that's poured into us bears fruit in the life of other people. 
Not that we come after a draining week to get our batteries recharged so we can go and get drained again, but that God would fill us to overflowing to the place of bearing fruit that the people around us, we would see them nourished. We would see them find community. We would see them find their church home. And so the image of the vine and the trellis Invisibly reflecting, (laughs) invisibly reflecting. You don't see the gardener all the time. You don't see, but you see what he's doing. You don't see the trellis all the time, but you see the benefit and the purpose of it. I hope this morning you've seen a little bit of what is happening behind the scenes, what is invisible because it got done. The light bulb is on because it got changed. The hand is extended because somebody knew that you were coming. You see, it comes down to this. If we, if we get rid of the trellis, you know, we all love the vine. We just want to get together. We want things to happen organically. We want relationships to happen spontaneously. We want all that. And, and we bristle sometimes at the order of committee work and it feels like bureaucracy to us and just a whole bunch of stuff. But if you do away with the trellis today... I guarantee you, you will reinvent it tomorrow. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, it comes down to this. If, if a group of believers, see, Christian life is life together. If a group of believers wants to come together, guess what? They have to figure out where and when, and that's a trellis. <laughs> you say, well, you bring the cookies, I'll bring the lemonade. And, well, you've just put together a brand new organization. And so either we're going to keep reinventing this, thinking that we're being more pure in terms of the vine, or we're going to be stewards, just like Rick said, of what somebody has faithfully built, age to age, family by family, person by person.